Hello, this is the World Economic News by Coldwater Economics for Tuesday the 30th of June. The purpose of the bulletin is simple as always. I'm trying to keep you abreast of what's happening in unexpectedly positive or negative ways in the data from the world's major economies. I'm trying to make sense of them. I'm doing it because I can't see that anyone else is, and I believe strongly that in economics, as in much else, being abreast of the facts matters. Today, we are spoiled for choice, given the crush of data. In Asia alone, today generated six shocks and six surprises. In Europe, there were three each. What to choose and how to get through the numbers? Well, head down. First, let's take a look at what's happening in Northeast Asia, and then I want to segue back to Europe and the UK in particular. If you wanted to shorthand what May's Northeast Asia crop of data was telling us, it goes something like this. The industrial economy remains mired in the coronavirus, but domestic demand is beginning to struggle back to life nonetheless. China reported its official PMIs for June. These are the ones done by its Logistics Federation, and I take them more seriously than I take markets versions. They showed very little progress in the industrial economy, with the manufacturing PMI up just 0.3 points to 50.9, while manufacturing employment fell 0.3 points to 49.1. This is the mildest of recovery, if indeed there is any there at all. Certainly there's no recovery in export orders for China. Manufacturing export orders PMI came in at 42.6, and non-manufacturing export orders came in at 43.3, both decisively below the boom-bust line of 50 and, of course, sharply below the long-term average for these series. Over in Japan, May's industrial production fell 8.4% month-on-month, and with shipments also falling 8.4%, while inventories fell only 2.5%, the inventory shipment ratio actually jumped a further 6.9% month-on-month, to levels only ever seen right at the peak of the 2008-2009 financial crisis. There's a similar story over in South Korea, where manufacturing output fell 6.9% month-on-month, but shipments fell 6.6%, and the inventory-to-turnover ratio jumped 7.2% month-on-month to a peak far above anything seen during 2008-2009. Let's face it, Korean industry is now sitting on what looks like a very significant inventory problem, which is not just the result of the coronavirus. This one has been brewing for two years at least now. But at the same time as the industrial news remain dire, there are signs of demand sputtering back to life. Yesterday, I talked about how the 7.7% year-on-year fall in May's retail sales in Japan, was actually significantly better than consensus expected. Today, there were similar stories, with South Korea's retail sales up a seasonally adjusted 4.6%, or 5.5% ex-autos, and up 1.7% year-on-year. That was better than expected. So too, believe it or not, was the 32.8% year-on-year fall, in Hong Kong's May retail sales. Now, that year-on-year may sound disastrous. Indeed, it is disastrous. 
but the monthly rise in May versus April was actually one and a half standard deviations better than you'd expect. And if you stretch back to last week, Taiwan's May sales fell 5.8% year-on-year, but that too was a good result, since the monthly rise was 1.3 standard deviations above historic seasonal trends. None of these are the sorts of numbers that make you want to exclaim, wow, it's a bounce back. But by May, they were all certainly heading in the right direction. So then, the data shows Northeast Asia's industrial economy is still under the cosh, but domestic demand is beginning to stir nevertheless. I want to look now also at the UK's first quarter current account deficit, which was worse than expected at 20.1 billion sterling straight, or 21.1 billion seasonally adjusted. That's equivalent to 3.8% of GDP. This was worse than expected, but the UK's international balances have been exceptionally volatile over the last year or so, first owing to stock building up and down around various missed Brexit deadlines, and latterly by non-monetary gold movements related ultimately to global coronavirus worries, and then, latest of all, by the disruption to trade caused by the coronavirus itself. The actual number, then, will probably be heavily revised. However, even as it stands, a bigger deficit than expected, it suggests that the private sector's contribution, its savings deficit, dwindled to just 1.2% of GDP in the 12 months to March, down from a peak of 3.2% in mid-2019. This is a reasonably dramatic turnaround, and the smallest deficit since 2016. More, we've seen in the April and May financial aggregates that during the coronavirus lockdown, private spending scaled back so dramatically that the sector almost certainly turned fairly serious net savers. We can be fairly certain that 2Q will see the UK in private sector savings surplus. First quarter GDP results were also revised down to minus 2.2% quarter on quarter, but calculating the Kalecki profits picture, that still leaves profits up 2.4% quarter on quarter and 6.4% year on year, with profits recovering from the falls seen in mid-2018 to mid-2019. What is more, the proportion accounted for by household sector dissaving was revised down to 53.3%, and the proportion accounted for by net investment spending revised up to 37.8%. Overall, immediately prior to COVID-19, it's fair to say that not only were UK profits rising again, but they were doing so in a more sustainable manner, being less dependent on the household sector spending money it wasn't actually earning. Well, that's it for today, and it's been a long one. Tomorrow, being the first of the month, is going to be very busy again. Possible highlights include Japan's quarterly Tankan survey, Germany's retail and labour market data, US ADP employment numbers for June, and global air freight numbers. Thank you for listening, and if you got something out of it, please help spread the word about the bulletin in any way you can. If you'd like to know more about cold water economics, please feel free to contact me, Michael Taylor, on mjtcoldwater at fastmail.com.